Uh, test, test. Is this thing on? Hey boys, what's going on? Uh, it's, it's the Sarge here. Um, you know, coming to you live from the, the brand new, uh, Sarge Castle something? I don't know. The outpost, maybe? That might be a good term for it. I don't know. This is the, uh, first podcast I've done from the new house here in, uh, here in Columbus. So, this is interesting. I mean, here we are in week three of 2020. I am, you know, predictably 0-2. Uh, Ush is 2-0, and and uh, looks like he has an easy road to the championship. Um, going 252 points, which is more than anybody else in the league. Um, I think 227 is the next most. But, I mean... Here we are in in the midst of a global pandemic, which, you know, 50% of society doesn't believe in. Um, this is, I mean, this is the, this is the apocalypse. And yet I'm pressured to make a fantasy football podcast. You know, this is where we are. Uh, we have a presidential election that, uh, is essentially going to be stolen, um, I mean, if you're not paying attention to that, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. That There's definitely, this could be the end of democracy, uh, such that it ever existed in this country, but it is quickly coming to an end. Um, one of the interesting things that, that people always say is, like, once, once you've made peace with the fact that the, uh, the American empire is in decline, once you've made peace with the idea that you are living in a decaying empire. Um, the next thing that people generally ask is, you know, can we parallel this to the Romans in any way, shape, or form? And uh, mostly the answer to that has been, like, not really, because one of the driving factors behind the decline and fall of the Roman Empire was that there were, like, entire legions of uh, soldiers that depended on one singular politician for their pay. So they would be like incredibly loyal to like Gaius Marius or uh, be incredibly loyal to Caesar. Like the 13th Legion is, you know, renowned for being super loyal to uh, Caesar and, and crossing the Rubicon into Rome to help install him as a dictator. And, like, you really don't see that, because, like, I mean, like, Barack Obama didn't directly pay me money to go, you know, fight a war somewhere, and I wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, wrapped up in his political success, hoping that he'd have the money to fucking pay me. Like, no, that that didn't really happen. But we've got, like, this really weird dynamic happening where... Like, the police force in the United States is quickly morphing into this, like, political block that is, uh, very dangerous. Uh, they're, they're quickly moving towards, like, becoming a, like, a Frycor or a Stallhelm or, like, an SA sort of force. Really, really fucked up shit. Um, and yet, you know, I gotta sit here and I gotta do a fucking fantasy football podcast. You know, all these things are happening. Um, we're, we're seeing just, just the end. Like, this is it, man. It's fucking over. You know, in 2000, uh, 
George Bush steals the presidential election via just some really fucked up uh, Supreme Court decision, which the the Supreme Court justices knew was super fucked up uh, because they made a rule that you cannot reference it as precedent for any other case in the future. They're like, hey, man, we're just kind of... We're just going to do this really fucked up thing um, and just give this election to uh, this guy who will go on to start a war that will kill half a million people. Um, but, you know, don't ever reference it again in future decisions for any reason. Um, that would be bad. So don't do not do that. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, is, is in the news, folks. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Really interesting shit there. Uh, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg... Uh, a towering monument to uh, women's rights in this country, um, but just dumb as shit, you know? Didn't retire in 2013, didn't retire in 2015, just decided, you know what, I'm 80-something fucking years old, I've had two different types of cancer, I'll bet I can survive eight years. Um Really interesting thing there. So now we're gonna get some like, we're gonna get like, I don't know. So who's who's an insane person like Rudy Giuliani could be put on the Supreme Court? That would be, that'd be funny, you know. Um, but you know, here we gotta talk. Uh, oh, we gotta talk fantasy football, right? Um, because that's, I mean, that's what we're here to do, right? I I get all these texts. Um, we gotta we gotta do the fantasy stuff. Um, never mind that we are uh, about to be at, I mean, at the point, I mean, at the point where the Republic dies. I mean, this is it. Fucking over. You know, go, uh, go vote. You know, we'll have, uh, you get to put your name on a piece of paper or whatever. Uh, hopefully it's for the right person because, uh, if you vote for the for the wrong person uh, and they don't win, you know, then then there's going to be like political retribution and stuff. I mean, we're moving into that. This is going to be this is going to be real fucking sporty times out here, man. It's it's coming crashing down. But I mean, just look at our league. We've got Ush in first place. You know, doesn't that tell you that the end times are afoot? It's fucking over. Goodbye. Democracy. Um, hello, Tim the Toolman Taylor at two and zero, putting up two hundred and fifty some points in the first two weeks. Um, everybody's everybody's dead. Uh, Saquon Barkley's dead. Cortland Sutton's dead. Sorry to Beirut Boom Boom. Um, Usher's fault is in uh, second place at two and zero. Then we have uh, Mike Ditka's OnlyFans. I think that's I think that's boy uh, sitting one and one. Um, Cleveland Steamers wide receiver number two uh, has just been firing off those fucking trade requests. Um, I don't even like I don't even look at them anymore. I mean, if you're not gonna put actual thought into it before, you know, sending me something. Like, do I really want to do the good player for three shitty players? Like, is that what I want to do? You know, do I want to, uh, 
just watch the country die before my own very eyes while also trading away like my first and second round picks in the hopes that like I don't know some fucking assholes will give me five extra points one week than I would have gotten to someone else I don't know man uh Cleveland Steamers wide receiver number two is also one and one uh and in fourth place mascot or casket very uh creative name uh good job there to the sheriff, uh, who is, who is one and one as well. <clears throat> Good job, uh, to the sheriff. Uh, Kobe's helicopter dunk in sixth place. Also one and one. Tom's hot mic is also one and one in seventh place. Coon and friends. I'll bet they're one and one, aren't they? They are. Coon and friends. One and one. Fifth place in the Kane division, eighth place overall in the league, and then down at the bottom of the Cohen division, you have Doctors Without Condoms and Beirut Boom Boom at uh, both 0 and 2 and 9 and 10 in the league, respectively. I mean, uh, I just don't feel like it's a real football season, you know, because I mean, everybody's dead. They're all dead. They're all IR. Everybody's hurt. Um, I mean, what what are we supposed to do? Somebody's going to be trotting out Dion Lewis next week. What a name from the past. Uh, last night, I watched like a quarter of Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Gardner Minshew. Like, fucking great game there, guys. Uh, pretty good stuff. Um, I mean, I uh, Miles Gaskin was getting the ball like every every play, which was pretty nice. But he was on my bench. Um, I don't know how much you can trust a Dolphins running back. Uh, Devontae Parker did all right for me, you know. No, he didn't uh, blow the world away, but he didn't, you know, suck it up too badly either. But man, after after like one half of the beard versus the mustache, you know, I turned on Tony Soprano. You know, I'm watching uh, I'm watching Tony, uh, you know, go out there and argue with his wife about setting up a revocable trust. You know, he's betting on horses. Uh, Ralph Cifaretto is, you know, banging some chick and uh, being mean to her. That's his thing. Uh, Tony's sister Janice is, uh, you know, moving in on the dead guys. Or the guy, the widow, his wife just died. You know, she's moving in, trying to get in there. Old Janice, she's always up to something. You know, the Sopranos are in many ways the ultimate form of uh fantasy football. You know, this this is um maybe maybe Tony's at the quarterback, right? You got uh Chris Moltisanti out there running running routes, you know, he's he's catching the ball while also doing a lot of um you know this that's maybe that's what we should learn, a lesson about fantasy football and the New Jersey mob. Um, I don't know what uh, matchups we got going on. Uh, we got the one, either Scott or I are going to get out of this with a win this week. Um, so that'll be nice for one of us. The other will drop to 0-3. Do we have any... Uh, what are our 2-0 teams doing? Usher's Fault is uh, taking on Mascot or Casket. 
Great name. Love that name, Sheriff. It's fucking good stuff. Uh, right now, Ush's Fault is uh, slated to win by about eight points. It's going to be a close one, I think. Uh, and Tim the Toolman Taylor had, uh, is that James Robinson? Go off for 24 points last night. That ain't bad. And uh, looks like the Cleveland Steamer is going to be in the toilet bowl here. If he doesn't get it, uh, get it moving. 24 nothing in that game right now. Uh, really, you know, a bunch of one and one teams going at it. That's not all that interesting. Then the uh, the 0 and 2 teams. I'm leading right now, six to nothing. Uh, like I said, Devonte Parker did all right for me. I'm projected to win by 10, but I mean, once like I don't know what's what's gonna happen on this one. Let's see. Let me load. Let me load. What what's gonna happen on this? Like. Uh, Darren Waller is going to catch like three touchdowns, and uh, let's see, Tyreek Hill, or no, Allen Robinson is going to like fumble twice for me, and you know, Scott's going to pick up the win on this, so I'm, you know, I'm not too hopeful, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think Scott's going to be the 0-3 team, I think Doctors Without Condoms is going to go 0-3, and I think that should tell you that we all need protection, even if for our, for our healthcare workers, um, we should be funding uh, our doctors so that they can have the protection that they need to service the women. Uh, doctors without condoms is a bad policy. Um, I mean, again, to the to the game last night, you had. Uh, I mean, what's this deal with this Gardner Minshew fella? I mean, what a name. And the the mustache is just ridiculous. I don't know what's what's happening. Like, did they win that game? Let's check. Uh, I got to go over to the Google machine. Jaguars, Dolphins, 13 to 31. So, no. I mean, the Jags are 1 and 2. And your quarterback's just still running around with some, like, asshole mustache on. Like, come on. Like, read the room. You know, and you got Troy Aikman, who is out there, like, trying to tell me that uh, Gardner Minshew could be the quarterback of the future for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, are you fucking kidding? I mean, you got to... You have to be able to to see through the like the bullshit that people are selling you, I think. Because like Troy Aikman is clearly just I guess just trying to get you to watch the game. He's you know, uh, Gardner Minshew, he could be the guy. Fuck off. He could not be the guy. He's not going to be the guy. You just are trying to fucking sell me on watching this game and being like, oh, well, he might be the starting quarterback for, like, five more years or something. Like, <sighs> uh, you got to realize that everybody who talks to you is trying to sell you something, except for me, except for Sarge, because I would, you know, I would never do that to you. I just gather the data for the league. I I send it to the sheriff who does nothing with it, doesn't do a fucking thing with it, 
after barking up my tree for weeks, months even, probably years, trying to, hey, let me get that leaked data. Let me get that leaked data. Let me get, well, you got it now. You got it. So why don't you do something with it? You know, maybe, you know, put something out there. Help the league out. But no, selfish, selfish sheriff, S squared. That's the state of law enforcement in this country. But anyway, I would never uh, try to sell you something. Everything you hear from me is not propaganda. Uh, the country really is coming to an end. This is the apocalypse. Um, you know, it's not like I would be out here trying to get you to watch some fucking NBC show by telling you that it's, like, so good. Like, you know, for instance, I would never sit here and try to tell you to go watch, like, the pilot episode of the TV show Manifest that is available on Hulu. Um, it's first aired uh, in on September 2018. Uh, there's, you know, each episode is 45 minutes long. You know, I would never go into really extreme plot depth on this one episode of this one show that you've probably never watched and probably never will watch. That's just not something that I would do. You know, I wouldn't sit here and say that, uh, you know, the way the show opens in the pilot episode of Manifest on NBC from September 24th, 2018, uh, is that there's a family, you know, waiting in an, in an airport. And they're like, oh, we're on vacation. And, uh, you know, we're heading back to New York uh, from Jamaica after a family vacation. And, you know, you get to see, you know, the hot chick is named Michaela. Uh, she's blonde. She's going to be the like main, you know, eye candy character in this show. And maybe also her brother, Ben, uh, is the like main dude in the show. And Ben kind of looks like the guy from the OC, uh, the one who did Time in Chino, uh, if you remember that show. Uh, and Ben in the OC... I think was also the characters. I think Ben was the name in the OC. Ben would go and get in fights all the time in like the first season. And he would always get his ass kicked, which is hilarious. Cause like he's been in prison and he always like tries to start shit, but then he just get his ass kicked. It was pretty funny. But anyway, you know, Michaela and Ben are sitting at the airport and, uh, Ben is there with his wife. Um, I forget her name. You know, but uh, Ben and his wife have got two kids, right? They're they're twins, I think, and they're like they're like eight years old or some shit, and they're fucking around in the airport, running around, and then it like pans over to uh, Michaela, who's sitting with uh, her dad and uh, her mom, and again, these parents are also Ben's parents, and like immediately like there's a lot of exposition in this show like just in the uh in the lines right they're just they're just like instead of cleverly like informing you about the characters they're just putting 
like descriptions of their scenarios into the dialogue in such a way that it's like kind of takes you out of the show. They like the mom leans over to Michaela and she's like, uh, Jared really is a good guy. And like right away, you're like, antenna goes up because you're like, well, we haven't met anybody named Jared yet. So who's this Jared? And uh, Michaela's like, oh, I know, Mom. Wow, I don't need you to tell me. There's like a lot of soy lines like that. You know, like, and I don't know how to specifically tell you what a soy line is. You just kind of like have to experience it. But once I, once you like hear this, you're going to be noticing it in like every show that you watch, especially network dramas, like uh, something on NBC that maybe aired on September 24th, 2018, uh, the pilot episode of Manifest. And like when they're, um, when they're like talking, they don't have actual conversational language like normal people would talk to each other. These are like characters in a TV show. So like whenever something happens, like someone gets like shot in the arm or something and someone asks them if they're okay, like they'll sit on the ground and go, oh, God, I just got shot and like shit like that. You know, it's very, very fucking soy. Like, nobody ever talks like that. Or, like, right in this scene, the mom is trying to pressure the uh, the daughter to accept a proposal that has already happened. And the daughter's like, uh, Mom, I think I know how to uh, meet a guy, and this would be totally great if I accepted it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, they're not actually talking to each other. They're just, like, having lines in the show for some reason. I, like, it doesn't do anything for you. It's just over-exposition, over I guess. It's fucking obnoxious. But anyway, we're fucking around in this airport. We find out that uh, Michaela's a cop. Uh, she's she's one of the fucking SA, uh, one of the stormtroopers here. And um, uh, we also find out in the first five minutes of the fucking show, Kid with Cancer, right off the bat, boom, drops it on you. I mean, if ever there was a a, a plot device that is just the laziest fucking thing you've ever like come across it's boom cancer like whenever i feel like they like a show doesn't know what to do with a certain character or how to move the plot forward they'll just give somebody cancer like it's <laughs> and i think it's there there is a theory of network tv that is like if you watch like this is us which uh i've never done but basically it's supposed to show a lot of like pharmaceutical ads and shit during the show. And like everything that happens to the people on that show is fucking awful. Uh, include not like, I mean, there's a lot of cancer on it. Just like, just like this show, like one of the little twins of Ben's, uh, they got cancer, you know? So, I like one of the theories for these shows is that they just show you characters going through like absolute hell and then, but they're always like still like happy and family oriented and shit. And then as soon as they show you like a uh, eight year old with cancer, yet the family's still taking a great trip down to Jamaica. Uh, then they show you like five, ads for antidepressants like back to back and so the theory goes that these shows are just written by big pharma 
and they're just like, hey, um, look how happy these people are, and their kids got fucking cancer, so what's wrong with you? Uh, take some drugs, man. Get it, get out there, live your life. Um, and you know, there's probably something to that. Um, but anyway, these, uh, something happens in the, uh, in the airport, and I think the flight's like overbooked or something, and, uh, they ask for volunteers to take a later flight. So, uh, the dad, Ben, and the sister, and the kid with cancer, um, stand up, and they're like, hey, you know, 400 bucks if, the, if uh, me and the kid, he's talking to his wife, Ben's talking to his wife, he's like, 400 bucks if me and the kid stay. You know, that's a flight to the Mayo Clinic, wherever he's getting treated, I think. So they take that, and uh, basically shows you on the plane, uh, shows the sister, Ben, and the kid on the plane later, and suddenly there's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of turbulence and um people start freaking out like uh it's it's you know it's the stereotypical turbulence on a plane like one of the fucking stewardesses like slams into the ceiling or some shit it's fucking outrageous and uh like everybody's screaming shit's going nuts and then like it ends after like 20 seconds if if if, if even that long um, and then you get you get a nice soy line uh, after that, where uh, it cuts to a, a guy who has a has his own drink spilled all over him, and he and he looks at the stewardess and goes, uh, "Stewardess, uh, I'm gonna need another drink." <laughs> and you're like, "Man, fuck you, fucking stupid." Um, so then it flashes to the cockpit, and you find out as the like pilots trying to land the plane like this this shit only happened for like 20 seconds the the turbulence or whatever um so the pilot calls the airport and he's like uh hey uh hey man trying to land this plane but he's i mean he's a pilot so he's a lot more professional than that um but and the um the air tower's like uh excuse me can you say that tail number again? And so the pilot reads it like three times, and then finally the air traffic guy like diverts him to a military base or something. So uh, they're like, man, this is strange. Uh, we got to go land at a military base. So they go land at this military base, and when they get off the plane, like there's like uh, cops and uh, ambulances and all sorts of shit racing out. There's like the FBI is there and shit, and they get off the plane and all their, like, relatives are there, and, uh, everyone's like, man, what the hell is going on here? And, um, eventually it comes out, like, the head FBI guy just shouts to the whole crowd of people that have gotten off the plane. He's like, y'all took off in 2013, and here it is, 2018. Boom. And, like, you find out that, um, you know, somehow they've gone... Like, they, they went through, like, 20 seconds of turbulence, but they've actually just been missing for, like, five years. Um, so a little bit of lost energy with this show. Um, but also a great thing that happens is um, the kid uh, looks up at his dad and says, uh, if it's really been five years, how am I still alive? Which is great. Just a great line for, uh, like, for... 
a kid that should be just like eating his own boogers is like somehow understands not only object permanence but also like complex timelines of when he's supposed to die uh very cool very cool um so this jared guy uh is not there at the airport to meet michaela and uh neither is her mom who died uh so mom's dead uh jared's not there um and i can get i can let you guess why jared's not there uh he married another woman so anyway um you know they 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 move on they're going around uh trying to put the pieces back together like the government doesn't like detain these people or anything they're just like let you know go go on your way uh do whatever it is you gotta do we'll just check in every once in a while um so Michaela goes down to the fucking cop office and uh tries to uh see Jared who's also a cop and that's where she find out finds out that uh that he's married uh, apparently to like her former best friend a few more wrinkles in the plot here getting pretty complex right that's not standard stuff you see on every show um but apparently you find out like some shit like Michaela's kind of a fuck up uh, she's been on desk duty for a little while. Something about a car accident. They don't really tell you what happened there. Um, so then you you move on, and Michaela's got to take the bus uh, back to where I think she's staying with Ben in uh, the basement, uh, Ben's house. Um, and so Michaela starts hearing voices on the bus, and the and the voice is like, uh, it just says, "Slow down." slow down so she like tries to tell the bus driver to slow down and the bus driver gets all surly and uh she's like he's like hey don't tell me how to drive this fucking bus lady i've i've been driving this bus for years i drove rudy giuliani around on this bus you know i was driving the bus on fucking september 11th i was there man um but anyway so she like she like hears it again and hears it again and like it's causing her pain to hear it so she like yells slow down and the bus driver just like hits the brakes and right when he hits the brakes uh this kid runs out into the street chasing a ball and uh the the ball like like the bus stops like right in front of the kid as he grabs the ball and then runs back out of the street and the bus driver's like gee lady uh how'd you how'd you fucking know that and um yeah, like, a, a just cut scene after that. It doesn't, like, explain how she gets out of the bus driver, like, suspecting her of, like, premonitions or something. Um, but then you get, uh, it cuts to, like, a parallel plot at this point. Um, you get to see, uh, an Indian doctor stereotype. It's an Indian lady, um, who goes into a hospital and, uh, she, during the, like, turbulence scene on the plane, you see her laptop gets broken and she's like, Oh, I was about to submit my work. Um, and you like, don't think much about it, uh, other than it being an Indian stereotype of someone who like just works really hard and is a doctor. <clears throat> um, but you see that they're at like a cancer center. So like right away your brain fires and you're like, Oh yeah, she's coming up with the treatment for the cancer boy. Right? Like we, we can see this. Um, and, but it like doesn't, fully spill that plot point yet at this at this era of the show or scene in the show 
um, you get to see that uh, their research has actually did go through before the laptop broke. And so they've been using it for like five years to treat uh, cancer kids and they have like a wonderful survival rate and stuff. So uh, yeah, it would naturally follow that eventually they're going to tell us that uh, she's treating the cancer boy. Um, so then like later on in the show, we cut back to the Michaela Ben thing. Um, Ben, Michaela tells Ben that she heard the voice and Ben's like, Hey, shut up. If you say that, like the government's just going to lock us up because they're already like crazy and after us. Um, Ben is also like a therapist or something like that. Um, these are like the, like, uh, these are like the careers that you get on these kind of shows. You get like therapists, um, obviously cops, um, doctors, like shit like that. You get, uh, these, these kind of careers. Like you're never going to get like a fucking plumber or something. Yeah. It's just like, that's very, uh, isolated occupations that you're going to find on these shows. Um, so anyway, later Michaela hears a voice, um, telling her to let some street dogs out of a locked, like, gate area. Um, so she's walking, and she comes across this, like, uh, locked-up commercial uh, building, like an industrial building sort of thing, and it's got a locked gate on it. There's two German shepherds that are, like, barking their asses off at her, and they look pretty vicious, but, like, the voice in her head's like, you gotta, you gotta set the dogs free. You gotta set them free. Uh, keep saying, set them free. This time she just like keeps going. I think she's on a jog. Yeah. She keeps jogging past the, uh, the gate doesn't, doesn't set the dogs free. Um, later she runs into, uh, Jared cop guy, cop guy comes back. They're doing some like, I don't know, maybe trying to like tie up loose ends with this relationship or something. I forget exactly why they're talking, but, um, uh, you find out that Jared's working on this, like abducted girls case. Like there's two little girls who have been abducted. Um, again, like antennas going off, they're like signifying, uh, Oh my God, look out for your kids. Uh, you know, they're going to get taken away by, uh, like crazy rings of crazy people or something. Um, so, you know, Jared's working on this, uh, abducted girls thing. And so like they argue, and I think this is where she finds out that not only he, like he, she knew that he was married from the meeting before, but I don't think she knew that she, he was married to her like best friend. And I think that's, this is the scene where that comes out. Um, <clears throat> so in the very next scene, we cut back to stereotypical, uh, Indian doctor lady, and we do confirm that uh, her research is supposed to be helping Cancer Boy. But um, they, the doctor who's running the clinic or whatever denies the specific Cancer Boy from the plane because like, he would be old enough in 2013 for the trial. But now that he's like technically aged five more years, he's out of the, like, the sample area or whatever even though he like actually didn't age the five years, like on paper, he's five years older. Um, so they, he like denies treating the actual cancer boy and uh stereotypical Indian doctor lady is fucking pissed about this. 
Um, also, the doctor running running the clinic is Asian, so that's also a check the box for the stereotype there. Um, at one point, uh, so yeah, Michaela goes back to the uh, the dog property because she keeps hearing the set them free thing. She keeps hearing set them free. Uh, she, and she's seeing like the address for the building all over the place. It's like 808 or something and she's like seeing it everywhere. Um, so she goes back to the dog property and the dogs are just barking up a storm. Um, and she keeps hearing set them free, set them free. And like right away, as soon as you see this, you're like, the girls are in there, right? She's the, they're not talking about the dogs. They're talking about the girls. Like we get that. Um, right as she's about to cut the chains, um, Ben pulls up in a car, and it's like the middle of the night, and he's and she's like, "What are you doing here?" And he, and he was like, "I've been thinking about these damn dogs since I drove by here earlier today." So they get out and they like cut the chain, and the dogs run away. And you're like, "Hell yeah, brother! You set those dogs, uh, set those dogs free." Um, and then the next day, you get uh, Jared uh, is looking at a video in the cop office, and he sees Michaela like uh, cut the chains on this commercial property and let the dogs out. And he's like, "What the fuck is this crazy woman doing?" Um, so he goes and he talks to talks to Michaela, and he's like, "You're gonna take these dogs back to the property because I don't have time. I'm working on these." These abducted girls. I gotta, I gotta save these girls, Michaela. Damn it. Um, so Michaela like agrees. She's like, all right, whatever, man. So they go to take the dogs back to the, uh, back to the building and apologize for everything. And so Jared goes in and he finds the guy who's like welding or something. He's like welding some shit. And he's got the two dogs on the leash and he's like, hey, my dude. Mea culpa, like, didn't mean to have your dogs get stolen or whatever. I'm the cops and I brought them back. Look at me. Um, and meanwhile, Michaela is still hearing set them free as she's, like, walking around this guy's property. And eventually, like, they find a shed or something and it's got a padlock on it. And she just starts, like, uh, and then she turns around and, like, the two dogs are just sitting there looking at her. And she just starts, like, bashing the hell out of this padlock with a pipe. And eventually, Jared and the welder guy show up. They're like, hey, what the hell are you doing, man? You gotta knock this off. And she's like, I am gonna knock this off. And she knocks off the padlock. She doesn't actually say that, but it would have been a good line. It would have been a good soy line. Um, so she knocks open the padlock, and boom, there's those two girls. They were in there the whole time. Uh, the welder guy tries to take a swing at Jared, but he deftly maneuvers and uh, arrests the guy. And boom, heroic uh, heroic thing happens. Girls are saved. Um, the captain guy of Police Town uh, walks up to Michaela and says, I'm going to get you back out on the street, girl. And she's like, hell yeah, man. Um, and uh, Jared looks at her and just goes, you still take my breath away. Very soy, super soy line on there. Um, and then, so we get, uh, next scene is Ben with his wife in the hospital, uh, waiting for Cancer Boy to have his treatment. And, um, you get a lot of, like, soy lines here in this exchange. She's like, man, I'm super sorry about, um, 
uh, that I was like mad at you for disappearing. And he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, it's cool or whatever. And they just, they're just going back and forth with some bullshit. And, uh, the episode actually starts to come to an end with, uh, Ben's wife is, uh, close up on her phone and she's texting her like side piece. Um, and so you find out that she's been like seeing someone and she hasn't told Ben about it yet. Um, and then, uh, we also have Michaela goes to church and she wants to talk to God or whatever about uh, hearing stuff or something. But then we also find out that more people from the, from the, uh, from the plane are hearing stuff. So they're like, at one point it, in the middle of the night, like they all, this is like, as you can tell, the episode's coming to an end. They all like congregate outside the fence at the airport where they landed or whatever, where the, like they're looking at their plane, uh, and it's behind like a locked fence and they're all like gathering outside the fence, uh, standing outside their cars, like looking at this plane and then, uh, boom, the plane explodes and it's like the shittiest looking CGI explosion you've ever seen. Like it's fucking awful. Um, but that's how, that's how the, uh, that's how the episode ends. Um, so like, like a lot of people will try to like sell you on stuff. Um, and like, like I would never read you an entire like plot recap with commentary of like a pilot episode from NBC, uh, called like Manifest or something that maybe aired, um, on, you know, September, uh, 24th, 2018. Like, I would never, uh, do that. Alright, bye, boys.